Hello, everyone, and welcome to Waiting to be Signed, the show where we discuss the week's events in generative art. My name is Trinity, and I'm joined by Will. And before we get started, a quick disclaimer. We are here to talk about art, not just the aesthetics, but the money surrounding it as the market is a key part of art on the blockchain. That said, nothing we say here should be taken as financial advice. It is for fun and conversation. You can follow us on Twitter at Waiting to Sign to keep up with our thoughts throughout the week. Or for those for visual language, on Instagram at Waiting to be Signed. If you are feeling generous, we are always accepting donations, including tokens, at our Tez wallet address, WTBS.Tez, or our ETH address, WTBS.ETH. That said, the best way you can support the show is by joining our Patreon. It is www.patreon.com slash waiting to be signed. Thank you everyone who supported so far. It has been so wonderful to see everybody come out and support us. Really appreciate that. Disclaimers Hell out of the yeah. way. I think people just scrub through it at this point. I think they just hit the 30 seconds forward three times and <laughs> get to the good stuff. I wouldn't be surprised. It is what it is. It is what it is. Trinity, how was, how was your week? How were your pre-Miami travels? A bit crazy. Out in Cleveland. Monday, Tuesday, flew out Sunday. There's not that much art that I experienced in Cleveland, just gray skies and corporate buildings. But speaking about the delayed launch of FX Hash, theme of the week, great timing because it meant I did not miss out on too much. Well, maybe the fix was in to make sure that you didn't miss some of the midweek drops that were on the calendar there. And you're right, we will be talking about that in a minute. That was definitely the big news, but we're also going to kind of make it our topic for the week, the ETH integration being delayed to December 14th. But a lot of other stuff is going on right now, such as Art Basel Miami, which you're flying out to tomorrow. Is that right? Yeah. We're in the throes of packing as we speak. Baby stuff, wife stuff, my stuff. Your stuff third, for sure. My stu- I've packed my stuff f- first. It fits in like a backpack. <laughs> you travel easy. Late. Yeah. But we'll be flying out tomorrow morning and then hopefully getting in in the afternoon and just seeing what's up. We have zero things planned or scheduled just like here are the things we want to see and the places we want to go and uh, it's going to be playing it pretty fast and loose i know for certain that you should of course visit the tender booth dimensionality in the untitled exhibition which i guess they're kind of co-running with verse versus handling the sales but aj bernie is down there actually like meeting people and showing art and a ton of cool stuff and uh, you got to check out the Tezos booth too, which is becoming rapidly a meme. <laughs> I don't know if you checked in yet today, but... I have seen that. It's hysterical. Someone's organizing an event, some art event around it. And John Carroll from the Windows fame is about to make a piece <laughs> memorializing it along with a bunch of other artists. So I think it's pretty funny. I get it. I feel like everyone's kind of leaning into it like overly much just for the fun of it now. <laughs> I don't know. But it's one of those things where it's like there's no such thing as like bad press, right? Tezos is getting more attention now than it has gotten in a long time. Quite a while for sure. The power and community. once all these projects get out there, people are going to want to know what they're about. It's just very funny. I mean, obviously not ideal, but yeah, like you said, people are talking about it. Getting the word out. I wonder if by the time you visit if they will have made any corrections to that <laughs> or if like there's no leave it as is. I think they'll just add more cords and more cables just to really mm-hmm. lean into the meme factor. I think there's something to be said about the power of something. Uh, I don't want to say it's ugly because, you know, we're just talking about like 
cordage and like electronic stuff, not the art, but it's a vibe. They can reclaim it at least like by adding a lot more chords perhaps and really lean into the meme. Other bit of news before we get into the topic, because we got a really big episode today. I don't know if you saw this one, but unfortunately, Vera Molnar passed away today. Oh, I did not see that. I saw something about Vera Molnar. I assume that meant she was at Miami, but no. No, no. I mean, I'm sure some of her work is being shown at Miami somewhere, I have to imagine, but passed away today. She was well into her 90s, right? Like 96 or something like that? 99. 99, so almost, almost 100. Somehow still making art and being relevant in this NFT age that, that we talk about this year with like two different drops, right? Or was it just the one big drop? I think she's done some I mean, other smaller stuff. There was the really stuff. one big one that had a really solid run last week that we talked about, Themes and Variations, which was in collaboration with Martin Grasser. Yeah, we saw them moving today too. Wow. Unfortunate news, but super influential figure who created until the very end, which is kind of nice to think about in a way. Yeah, it's so sad. Well, you process Trinity. I will do the very quick donations this week, which is really just to mention a couple of new patrons, Egrots and Nat Emoti, who we had on the podcast a few months back from the highlight platform, uh, join the Patreon. So thank you to both of them. All right, Trinity, are you ready to do the topic? The topic, continuation of last week's topic, FX hash 2.0. We did a special live episode running down all the projects that we were excited to collect. You know, woke up extra early to go check the Discord and people are saying they still can't connect ETH wallets. They're not able to upload their projects. And I did get a little bit of that sinking feeling. I don't know. Were you like checking really early or did you have just no capacity to be there? You know, it was starting to really kind of ramp up when we were logging off from that live recording because that was around the time when things are supposed to be up for artists to start posting their projects. Just saw some questions flying through, didn't pay too much attention. Would you say this is the 11th hour delay or a 12th hour delay? Are we already back at 13? Yeah, it was definitely a 13th hour delay. They kept saying, it's almost there. We're pushing it now. It's about to happen. And then I think an hour or more had gone by. People still couldn't connect. Well, actually, at one point they did open up wallet connecting, which I guess did inspire some hope, some possibility, but... They made the call. Probably, I'm assuming the right call, right? It sounds like it really just would have been a shit show if they had let it rip. It sounded like it was you know, a combination of some bugs, some security issues, some of the complexities of going cross-chain on this. Obviously, this is the type of thing that from you know a product development perspective, you would have hoped or would have thought could have been ironed out at least a week or two before just to have you know a couple of weeks to do just a ton of testing, You know, just make sure that everything is in tip-top shape. But it was a really big release and they committed to a date pretty early. And so unfortunately, these things happen in the software development world. I think that we all remember the debacle of Diablo 3 or Diablo 4. I mean, I think Blizzard is pretty good about announcing releases when they're... No, actually, they do tend to announce dates and then they move them. That's true. They move them by multiple years. (laughs) Multiple years. Yes. Yeah. That's a little bit different than, say, the game is supposed to be out now. It's not available for download and you're asking and then they're like actually we're delaying it a year you know that they tend to message those delays months you know if not quarters in advance because it also impacts their stock price and stuff right so yeah and we saw similar delays with fx hash 1.0 as well it was supposed to be down for about a week to get the contracts up in place and tested ended up being down for closer to a month that was something that was telegraphed pretty early on 
And, you know, without some of the hype going into it, you know, there was so much momentum behind FX hash. I had spots on Bankless from what I saw. It was pretty crazy. And it's just be so disappointing to kind of lose that momentum. Yeah. I mean, that to me, like, you know, for all that we talk about with communication and strategy and messaging and how difficult it is, I think, for any platform to get the word out there and appropriately market their stuff. Like this was the first time where I was like, yes, they're doing it. You know, like it was, wasn't just Cyphered coming on waiting to be signed, which of course we still love and we will continue to have him on. But it was like, yeah, like you said, like Bankless doing a tweet thread. They went on to the Provenance show, which is like a ETH kind of NFT art oriented show. You know, we had, did that thing with Kahlo, like we did that on our own, but it was like still nice, right? It fit really nicely into the plan. We had that space with all the platform partners. So there was so much hype. We saw so many new people <laughs> coming in and getting excited. I do feel like that had to be the biggest factor in like why they didn't want to push even when it might've been obvious, like probably even a couple of days before, right? That this is going to be challenging. And you have that a note in here just about Web3 moving quickly, breaking things. And obviously startup mentality is very much behind you know a lot of Web3 development, which is awesome. We need to start up mentality in order to keep things fresh, keep things moving. But having an earlier due date can just sometimes get it done. And there are so many things that you can't predict. You know, I wish we kind of knew a little bit more about it. I know they said they had an audit on the contract and I would hope or assume it wasn't a security thing. Or it could have been a security thing that they needed to fix. And they just didn't have fixed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the one thing, despite the fact that I, I know some people were really upset and disappointed that they couldn't collect, you know, especially people who maybe took half a day off work and things like that. Like, I mean, it really was like a Diablo Blizzard game release in that sense of like people taking time time off to dedicate to it. Like, I feel like the vibe otherwise has been kind of normal. And I think the team has done a good job pivoting towards now talking about like, hey, testnet is up today. You know, we're going to reset yeah. the calendar. You can post your projects now and then you will assuredly have access a few days before to actually upload and get it in the queue. So it feels like we're going to hit this time, <laughs> right? I have to assume. It's also some features did go live. ETH, unfortunately, did not. There's been a proliferation of open editions that have been out there and super successful, specifically looking at Rev Dancat's drop, which was free. And it's, I think, 3,800 mints right now. It's over 7,000 now. Wow. Yeah. People just keep minting that. <laughs> I haven't minted any yet because my wallet's not set up. It just got disconnected. You know, Anna Maria Caballero has open editions up, Magnetic Ring, we know Jeffrey Cannon. It's fun to see this feature out in the live. Yeah, it's a really fun feature. You know, Dan's going to do something with that project based on the, the number of mints and stuff. And I think it was only meant to be open for one year, but then he didn't set the date. So now it might be open indefinitely until FX Hash implements a way to change that after the fact. That was kind of fun, right? It's like everyone go collect dance piece, like mint a bunch of tallies away, wait and see what happens. You know, Tesla's just continued working, <laughs> which was nice. Minus the the wallet thing and search. Everyone's getting their wallets disconnected all the time. You have to constantly reconnect. And then search is basically broken on FX hash right now, which is kind of a bummer. But I assume all of that is just like low priority stuff until they get the ETH part figured out or maybe we'll be fixed with the full push of 2.0. Yeah, definitely. What do you think? Like, will we ever get out of this cycle of delay? I guess in this case, since they had like a month or more of marketing, they would have really been like now announcing it, then hosting like four or six weeks of events while 
is functionally available. I don't know. Like what you you know more about this stuff than I do. I think that this is just where as the team gets more experience, like it's still a pretty small team and a, with a lot of new faces. You know, there have been a handful of major releases, original release, which is literally just ciphered with one hand coding in his bedroom, wherever. You know, a couple more people coming on for FX Hash 1.0, a couple of big releases in the, the middle with params, but this is definitely the biggest. And I think it's understanding more about risk mitigation. You know, what are some of the things that could happen? What is the mitigation plan? What happens if this risk, if this does happen? And just what are the chances of it happening? So I think just having some of those like things in the back of your mind would definitely help from like a product development cycle point of view. But you know, when you ha- do things like that, it also just it's more time overhead. It's more process to get through. And, you know, maybe you lose some of that magic, you lose some of that spark. I think that it's something that as funding comes into play, you get more developers on the team. You definitely have to shift to more of that type of mentality if you're going to be releasing really big products and releases. Yeah. So I don't know when the next one is, FX Hash 3.0. Who knows? If and when they decide to do that, it'll be more than a year away because it sounds like once ETH is in... The rest of this year is going to be dedicated to like polish and polish and polish and not really doing any heavy lifting to the contract. So kind of looking forward to that. Just a year of like no fire alarms. <laughs> it was a big push. The only other platform that we see like doing lots of updates regularly is Verse, but they do much smaller updates. It's usually in context for a specific release. And so it's just kind of yeah. easier to flow things out like that. And their risk is capped by not being open and like, yeah. Yeah. The Web 2 part of it really limits the amount of damage that can be done. Imagine just doing something custom on every FX hash drop, like quasi-dragon studies. (laughs) Not possible. Yeah. Not possible. I mean, there is like obviously a lot of hope. There's still new people who came. I'm not convinced that they're all going to be soured by this and not want to come collect like a Casey Reese piece, you know, or a 1RG piece. Like they're going to want to collect those pieces with whatever confidence they have in ETH behind it, right? So... I think it's a bummer, but presumably all those partners will still launch. There's still going to be buzz. Maybe a couple people are stubborn and won't come back. They'll be too turned off, but whatever. <laughs> like at the end of the day, once ETH is here, it's here and they're competing and it's like, it's done. We'll see if we can get some more of that media train and momentum back behind things. And again, uh, it's supposed to relaunch a week from now on December 7th, which is Thursday. December 14th. December, December 7th 14th. is today. <laughs> yes. Yes. A week from today, which is December 7th. Maybe it'll be an even bigger day one. Who knows? Keeping it to FX hash, it looks like you had at least one pretty solid pickup. Yeah, I did. I did. A so surprising pickup. Yeah. Well, after we went on Kahlo's show and we talked about small skulls and what an opportunity there potentially are, especially with a lot of new collectors coming in, I've been making a few offers. So I finally had one accepted by collector Brendan, who's in tender, 145 tests for small skull 56, which is a gray skull. Figured, hey, you know what? If I can get an offer accepted on a like desirable trait amongst the collectors, like anyone who then gets into that community might decide that they'll put a premium on this. And I've got my other one too. So kind of just like a little speculation play on the next year, yeah. hopefully. Awesome. Excellent. Not to stay focused on the market, but there are a couple of good deals being put up by Brendan right now. I did notice that you know the waiting in Afton floor had been around... 1,500-ish, 2,500-ish, something crazy like that. He's undercut the floor a couple of times with listing at 888, and he has two listings at 777 right now, really crashing that floor. So if anybody's looking for a deal on waiting for Afton, 
I think these are the lowest prices we've seen for a while. I was really thinking of uh, putting in like a really obnoxiously low bid on a waiting in Afton and see if he actually takes it because he kind of just seems to be willing to just reach for those offers when they come in. Definitely anyone out there who's shopping, check out Brendan's wallet if you can figure out how to navigate to it. We haven't done one of these in a while, a favorite of the week versus a project of the week. So I had a favorite of the week this week, the WRK Paradox by How09999. It was 222 editions, 12 Tez. Not a part of any of the drops with partners for launch, but this is a project that Hal had put into the calendar anyways. It's an on-chain project animated with, I think, a non-generative audio component. But Trinity, if you check this out, even without sound, these things are sick. I don't know if you looked at this one yet, but it delivered for me. Right now, I'm just trying to get to it. FX Hash has been super slow for me and, you know, really... Me too, a little bit, yeah. It took like a day or two to mint out. It was pretty affordable. But once people kind of figured out what it was, it was like kind of that classic slower mint. I think people discovered it. They realized that you have to click to get it to start animating. And once it goes, it goes. And it's just like, it's like a really like Peter Pasma in space style project to me. I mean, it just does, or it also reminds me of some of that stuff that Liam has done. It's just a really beautiful piece. It was, I'm sure the floor is still really low on it. You can kind of just buy whatever because they're animated. So if you just want to watch it and you don't care about the thumbnail, to me, I feel like this is going to be like Hal's like big breakthrough piece once it's all said and done and people figure out what it is. Still waiting to get it to load, but you know, I'll take a look at this tomorrow for sure. You have to click on the... The binary code? Click the binary code. That's how you start it. So I think a lot of people thought it didn't work. You have to actually click to get it to go. Gotcha. For how quick it is and it's like on chain, it feels technically crazy to me as someone who doesn't know how to code. Wow. This is crazy. Go show that to your baby. That'll put her to sleep for sure. She'll just vibe to that interstellar moment. We'll have to get out the uh, Italian Tylenol that we got a couple of months ago. Yeah. You just got to be aggressive with the Motrin or else it's just a lot of that. We're learning. Fun to have a favorite, a favorite of the week. Everyone go check that out. Even if you don't want to buy one, just watch one and just consider it. So it's super cool. Let's move on to our Basil. Let's get you pumped for your trip tomorrow, Trinity. I'm excited to be spending a lot of time at the Untitled event. A, because the only people I know will be there for the most part between the folks at Tender, the folks at Verse, you know, any random people from FX Hash. If anybody's around, if you see a lesbian with a good looking wife and a baby, that is me. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's such an accurate description. <laughs> <laughs> it's an accurate description. So come say hi, introduce yourself. I hadn't looked at these dimensionality drops for that much because I was so focused on the FX hash release and all mm-hmm. the tender drops that were coming out for, in preparation for that. But obviously, launch week of FX hash was going to go straight into Art Basel Miami. And this is quite the lineup from tender. Honestly, super impressive to see Adam pull this off. You know, I remember the moment when he said, we're getting this booth. And he figured out to partner with Verse to help pay for the space and do it. Somehow he magicked up an insane array of art, many of which have really interesting physicals, really showing the breadth of like what's possible with generative art beyond just a print. I think the big one to start with, well, honestly, we could start with any of them (laughs) as the big one, but the order in which I have them here and the one that's been selling like crazy, especially are these Mimizus by Quibibi, 55 one of ones. I thought they were 1800 each, but it looks like the price on Verse is now 2000 each. So I wonder if they have been increasing that as it's going because 
all but 19 of them have sold now. This is also artist curated, correct? Yeah. All of Quibibi stuff has been so far, I believe. Still waiting for that long form piece, but that's okay. I think it's really stellar to kind of see a range of outputs here. Some of the ones with the light background, some of the ones with the dark backgrounds, which you would see from like more, maybe more of the storeroom collection, the uh, Uzi Mimi. Wait, the Mimi <laughs> Zoo is the one with the dark. The Uzi Mim is the one with the light. I mean, people who like Kubi's work, it's awesome. A bunch of tenders who had early access to this snapped some up, but I know a good number have been selling and drawing a lot of attention on the floor there as well. Pretty much all of these artists must be virtually unknown. I think Zach is probably the only one who would have had like real traditional art world name recognition. But to go and be exhibited in, at this event and have people come up and actually like drop two grand on a piece by you, like that's got to feel pretty sick, right? <laughs> that's got to be rad. And it must be so cool for Adam to be down there like watching it, facilitating it. The biggest one is, as you highlighted here in the notes, is so Zach Lieberman has three one-of-one pieces for $15,000 each, and then one sold with the display for $23,000. That's Apparently, that's the displays are like 8000 bucks. I'm not sure how that works out because my Samsung frame was a lot cheaper than that, although probably not nearly the fidelity or specialty nature that these are. And I guess, you know, if you're window shopping at an art fair and you come across a digital piece like that, you want to make sure it looks like the way you <laughs> you saw it when you wanted to buy it, right? And I guess this one individual is, is going to take the display with them at the end of the show or it's going to get mailed out. That's pretty fun. The artwork is claimable via Artfora. So there you go. Oh, and you get the display there. Wow, I've never seen them fulfill a screen like that. It makes sense though. <laughs> uh, 33 million here too. Another interesting piece that's also going to be fulfilled through Artfora by Anna Lucia, 500 curated outputs from a new algorithm that she has is still kind of experimenting with like that quilted patchwork idea. This one's kind of cool because like they're staggering the sales. So right now they're 900 bucks and you get the physical soon. They're going to downgrade that to 200, which will be token only. And then I'm not sure if you'll be able to like upgrade to the physical later, but uh, at the very least you'll have the digital and these look pretty cool too. They definitely do really using the classic palettes that Ana Lucia is well known for. But kind of bringing it to a different level. Well, maybe it's not to a different level. It's like leveraging a lot of her same very stark use of color where it's like super flat. She's not using textures. It's very much using straightforward geometries, but like organizing squares in really delightful Mm -hmm. ways. You know, she has such a style. And these are all curated. So, I mean, imagine curating out 500. (laughs) I mean, I think we often say like, yeah, do it. But uh, it must have been a gargantuan task to sit down and pour through tens of thousands probably of outputs to find a coherent set of 500 like this. And so I think that's probably why you're getting a lot of those kind of really pleasing emergent forms and patterns here because of that level of curation. If you're going to go to the, you know, big physicals like that, like I think it makes sense Definitely. So lots of different takes on physical form factor and physical redemption. We have embroidery. We have digital displays. Yeah, we've got plotted pieces, both Corey Haber and Leisha Hay bringing like painted plotter works. Lisha had two, a duo that she's calling Seeing and Believing. And then Corey Haber has two flower style pieces that are called Bloom 1 and 3. I don't know if there was a Bloom 2 originally or if that was like sold somewhere in the past that we're not aware of. So that's super cool to see. Also with Marcel Schwitlick, he has some of his Composition 86. It is what it is there. The first Luminograms he did. So you've got 
pieces that look plotted like Quibibi, you've got the woven stuff, you've got Zach on a digital screen, you've got two different types of plotter work. And then Aranda Lash, they made physicals based on some individual outputs from Henge and Primitives, which is like really cool to have these statues there. If you check out the pictures on social media, like you'll see. They're sold with a physical blackened copper sculpture. sculpture. That's pretty rad too. I think that's awesome. Just looking at the set and how Adam was able to take like all these different artists, but then come up with all these interesting things to do, right? Like it's an art fair. You can't just have like a bin of prints. Like everything needs to kind of be living up on the wall or out in the open, kind of the way you would display it. And, you know, anecdotally, he said he hasn't said NFT once the whole time he's been there. Generative art, code-based art. He's just talking about code-based art, generative art. You want the piece? Like this is the piece, right? You'll buy this. And then we'll talk about the token part later, you know, if if you even want it. This entire set, it really speaks to the breadth of the world of generative art in terms of what can be done, the way that it can be displayed in the world, as you're saying. It's absolutely fantastic. Hopefully it, it converts a lot of people or just generates more interest. And you know, I think that even from like a booth perspective, having so many different things that are technically of the same medium, but different mediums, it just makes it feel so much richer. You know, right. hearkening back to the conversation that we were having with Susanna from Tonic. That if you just have nothing but digital prints, at some point it's going to feel kind of spiritually monochromatic and that you need to have some of those plotter pieces, have a chair, have a copper sculpture to really bring more depth to the experience of art in your home. I hope that you don't get roped into doing too many hours of booth work, you know, (laughs) but take some good pictures. I'll definitely take pictures and I will post them to Instagram and or Twitter. That is for sure. I plan to have dinner with Ken and team, maybe at least once. See the sights, go to the beach, eat some food. A high of 28, which is pretty good. (laughs) See? See, yes. Nice. We only do see. Yeah, same. So both of those Afton sold at 770 Tez each in the last few minutes. Well, there you go. Who grabbed them? Somebody who was listening. Winter 3 was listening and snatched them up. Oh, Ed Ed Brody. Ed from... uh, Carpe Diem snatched him. Maybe he was listening. Good deal. And one had a moon. That was the one I was interested in. So the other projects this week that I put into the top projects section here were two others on the Tezos side and FX hash that were on that launch calendar from individual artists just trying to celebrate 2.0. One of which did come out right on Friday morning last week, Small Skulls X Monster Gaze, the Small School collab that uh, Mark Knoll did with Jordi Gandol. 500 editions at 15 Tez. This thing minted out like instantly. People were pulling out the old backdoor tricks to get to the contract because FX hash was being wonky. You know, they were minting from biker tools and stuff and immediately flipping and just going crazy. And that was when I was like, ooh, okay. Like people are people are yeah. here and they're Things like are back. excited and ready. Things are back. 500 at 15. That's amazing. It's pretty sick. People seemed really happy with them. There was like a ton of people in Discord just like, giving Mark props and just sharing their excitement with minting and all the different colorways they got. So that was just a super fun moment and probably volume wise, like one of the bigger projects we've seen in a minute. So I was, it's the top, like a top volume project, project in the week, highest volume last seven days. So congrats to Mark. You know, we shouted him out, of course, in the Kahlo episode, I bought a small skull this week and just out there in the community. We love Mark. Another one that kind of brought me back this week was the soul of flowers by Che Yu Wu. 
mm-hmm. for a couple of reasons. <laughs> Did you look at this one? I know we talked about it a little bit last week, but have you checked uh, out I the hadn't actually had a stuff? chance to like look at the generator at all. I was just going based off of what there had been before, but I've heard, and I'm going to experience this right now, is that the animation itself is spectacular and it is it's very nice. engaging. It's nice. Yeah. It's very satisfying. This one took me back both because it did end up getting some like decent by modern standard secondary action. It didn't mint out instantly, but once it did, people started trading it. And then of course, also it being a flower. I feel like seeing flower projects, it probably means that we're back too. It's been a while since we've just seen flower projects, you know, kind of a different one from Che Yu here too. I mean, the work we've seen from him was like animated musical stuff. Definitely sticking to more that natural world, which we see obviously with Salsi and Soulfish. So we're continuing to stay within the nature realm, but this is something that is incredibly different. I think the other thing to note is that very approachable floor for anybody who missed the mint. Floor is currently 26, another one at 28. Super accessible. I did end up minting one right at the very end when it became clear I was about to mint out. This is how you know we're back. I was like, I might be able to flip this. You know, (laughs) (laughs) that's how you know. Well, it's listed. I... For a minute, I was like second or third off the floor at 45, and I thought I was going to go, but I think more people have come in and listed. But there's still only 28 listed, so it's not like it's 60% listed or something crazy like we used to get. I'm hopeful. Just in terms of other top projects, but I really want to call out Five Grid Compression, which we talked about last week by uh, Oxma. There are a lot of people who went in and purchased it on the secondary. Some pretty big purchases, floor 45 I think that this is Oxma's best work to date and by a pretty far stretch. So I just wanted to make sure that we're calling that one out. No, I thought I had it on the list. So good oh. catch there. Yeah, this one has was definitely one that I intended to mint because I was finding myself liking most of the outputs that I was getting. But then it dropped at like 5.30 p.m. Friday and I unfortunately couldn't mint. But yeah, I'm super pleased to see that it minted out pretty quickly and that it seems to have like, again, spurred some just secondary market interest, which just feels feels so nice. <laughs> it feels so it nice. It really does. And there's still seven left on reserve as a part of the Refraction Doubt live minting experience at Art Basel Miami, you know, with the one that has the cords. Perhaps there's a chance I could pick one of those. You can go up. mint Who one. Who knows? Yeah. You might be able to go grab one. You know, I'll give you my private keys. You can mint one for me too. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that. You're actually going to be there to grab some of these. So yeah, good good catch on that one. The remainder that we have are fun shout outs um, from a lot of the stuff that's happening this week that was scheduled from the Tezos chain. We have a lot of really great mintables on the platform right now, some of which are going to be at Refraction Dow, like Coral by Raylanark and Mono by A Ghost and Nagy. Mono, I thought, actually had a shot to mint out pretty quickly once it came out, but you know, there's only so many glitchy noise collectors out there. I'm loving this piece by Augustin here. It's a little less aggro in the noise than some of his others. And I think the visuals also present like a new style for him. I feel like Augustin is always experimenting with prices, so to speak, going from one Tez to two Tez to four Tez to eight Tez. And just Mm -hmm. that eight Tez point has not worked at all at any point in history, (laughs) unfortunately. (laughs) And we've seen some price decreases. No, I think this one's going to mint out over time for sure if he left it here. Hopefully, even just some people listening will go check it out if they missed it, because I think it's really his most pleasing work on the platform. Definitely the most accessible and fun. And considering that he has a, a ton of really great work on the platform, you know, that's really saying something. 
And what do you think of this Raylan arc? We talked a little bit about this last time. Um, I think you were out getting something. I think it's cool. I like the the dimensionality that there is with the use of light and shadow, at least from an art perspective. I think that there's a bit of a price mismatch, which we've seen with Rallin arc in the past, but that doesn't degrade the quality of the work at all. You know, we all, mm-hmm. we talk about art and the market, so I'm sorry I'm bringing up the market, but <laughs> I can't not do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think when she last released a project, it was Shimmer. And she went for 25 Tez, and this was back in Feb 22. So, geez, almost closer to two years ago than anything. But Tez was a lot more expensive then, and I think for whatever reason, that one just didn't catch on. So it has been quite a while since she released here. I kind of get, though, you want to like have like a reasonable price point maybe if you're part of a live minting event, which she is. But um, I kind of feel like this one perhaps got lost in the momentum without all those collectors kind of being here all week also trying to get ETH stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's kind of the the case for a lot of these because I feel like people would have probably just been around and like paying attention and minted them, especially these Atelier ones. I don't know. For Coral, I'm a little hit or miss on it because some, some of the palettes don't do it for me, but then some of the ones that pop when that some of that layering hits, like I think it becomes really nice, but there's just a couple that I would be afraid to mint palette wise. I think another one that we can speak to from the Refraction Dow event is Umoja by Kamau and Ian Wright. This is, I think, a really great work. And, you know, I think something a little bit different from Entropes, which was the previous work by Kamau that we had talked about. Um, There's actually the same collaboration. This one's totally different. Yeah. Instead of being something that's hyper grid based and geometrical, it's like, literally just blobs of people interesting just like crowds right it's like kind of like a packing project but also there's like a subdivision mm-hmm. aspect to it kind of cr- leaving roads and like creating like abstract shapes through the like the lack of people yeah it's cool scanning through the ones that have been minted here and seeing like eight nine and ten all min- minted to the same like new has address so you have to imagine that this is someone who just was there at the live minting <laughs> And got onboarded in the moment, which is really cool to see. That's super exciting. I like this project a lot. Yeah. Uh, but I think also maybe a little bit of a price mismatch or kind of price to assuming like mm-hmm. a massive amount of people on the platform with ETH. Because 40 is, yeah. it's not a lot in dollars, but it's just like a lot in FX hash money right now, 40 Tez. But encouraging to see new wallets like that coming in and presumably at the show minting them. So like, that's why you're there, right? Yeah. I think just the one thing that I liked about this particular project is more, I guess, palette diversity. You know, if you just look at the first four mints, uh, there's a lot of sameness mm-hmm. outside of the shapes. But again, that only really becomes an issue if you're actually looking at the uh, the project page. So, I think when you do a project like this where there's so much packing, it's going to be really hard sometimes to get that diversity because they're really going for like concentration. They don't want these sparse packs of people. Like it has to be crowded to kind of fit the theme of what they're going for Mm -hmm. but you're right i think it does make it hard sometimes like oh how do i pick mine right because they will kind of feel a little homogenous but it doesn't bother me as much another one that's live minting right now milk by gertrude stein so this is an anna maria caballero and hieroglyphica collaboration in that um annotation series the poems in the public domain series that they've been releasing and this one's being done as an open edition, which is really cool. It's an open edition and a params project, but I think it actually closes 
tonight. <laughs> it closes in like a half hour, actually. But yeah, this is kind of just like a fun riff for them, I think, to do at a live event. Definitely showcasing something different compared to what else is on offer at the Refraction Dow event. A little yeah. bit of everything very similar to what's happening with Tender between the text-based work, the sound work, the classic generative stuff. And this one using params, right? So I wonder, I haven't seen mm -hmm. a picture of what that live minting might be like there. Are people actually like turning dials and trying to figure it out or are they just getting their tickets and cashing in later? I'm not sure. The params are really just within the minter's annotation. So the minter can write in a phrase. Ah, uh, okay. And I guess that will just appear there. I guess that's sort of like the co-creation piece. Mm. The other three projects kind of worth noting here came through the platform partner Atelier. Atelier? <laughs> I don't I don't have the confidence to do the French all the time. Atelier. There were three projects, Aqueduct, Isquater, and Bravada, all still open for mint. And then the project from uh, La Meche, Calx, minted out. That one was a little bit cheaper. It was Nintez. But definitely go check these out. It's an interesting, diverse set of artists, each kind of like doing something really different. Bravada, I kind of thought was going to mint out pretty quick just based on the style here it kind of gives me like a toy minto vibe in a way but just like very dynamic cool project like an early kira zero or kira o with some of like the more cityscapes oh no sorry i was talking about the omar labato one ah gotcha these like crazy brush strokes and just kind of movement while anim uh, draws really kind of reminded me of some of the, like the toy minto stuff i feel like this is the type of piece that people would, would have gotten really into if there had been just a little bit more traffic like on the site looking but yeah i think also you're right the cityscape one for sure right it's like a great candidate to mint out and probably even get flipped like if if we have a lot of attention on the site so question for you bringing things back to more of the the release of fx 2.0 the market given that there have been delays and there's going to be a relaunch of sorts in a week how do you feel it impacts perception or do you think that it impacts perception that there are so many of these like larger drops that are still minting? The ones on Tez? The ones on Tez, yeah. I don't think it, it's going to impact it that much. I think all of the buzz is around ETH as it is. I think that the hope would have been that a lot of these new ETH people would be here and investigate this stuff. You know, obviously they can't delay our, they can't delay our Basel Miami, right? So these projects no. are going to go. I don't know what Atelier's... Uh, Atelier's deal was like maybe if I were them, I would have waited to release with the push, but perhaps they had obligations and a physical show somewhere else that they wanted to make sure that these were released. Because I do feel like you want to kind of hit when the eyeballs are here, get these artists in front of people. And I bet a lot of people just kind of like forgot that there might be these test projects re releasing in this 14 day interim. So we're obviously here, like we're here checking every day, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why you see, right? Like you saw Mark Knoll in that moment when people still thought the site was going to open, just like instamenting a 500 edition project. There were people, people here already. Skulls. I think there's a really good shot that these ETH projects are going to do just fine. You know, my biggest concern are price relative to gas still. At one point, gas like spiked up to 0.03 this week. There's a lot of stuff happening on ETH. So if you're a 0.02 ETH project and gas is 0.025, I don't know what that's going to do. I mean, maybe our expectations have to be that some of these will mint out like overnight when gas is lower and not right when they release. But in a world where, you know, you need to get the drop, so to speak, 
that feels like such a risk. And you know, I think that having these two sets of projects side by side, even though they're denominated in different terms, I think it really showcases like the different standards between Tez and ETH. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you look at it, Tez just seems like a better and better deal, at least from a collector's perspective. Although you can understand how, from an artist's point of view, being able to, to command the higher prices on ETH is such a big deal. We'll just have to see how it shakes out and also if there's estimated gas costs put in on the ETH side. Um, <laughs> well, the, your like wallet's going to tell you eventually when you execute. That's true. So I just feel like so nervous for anyone who's considering the 0.05 or under pricing. And that's a lot of artists. If they want to release on ETH, yeah, they have to go with that pricing. Yeah, if you haven't sold something for like 150 Tez, you can't expect to charge that much necessarily until you're proven or unless the project really hits, right? Like it has to be like your big breakthrough project. So I'm a little worried about that kind of like haves and haves not, have and have nots and like people thinking that perhaps this was their shot on Ether, this is their big chance to convert. But hopefully they paid attention to the other platforms and how like difficult it's been for them. For sure, like Casey's project will mint and a lot of the tender collabs, I assume, will too. So, you know, speaking of other platforms, maybe that's where we start moving to looking ahead where there's a bunch of stuff coming up on other platforms, specifically shouting out Highlight as another platform that is doing some fun looking stuff that you've called out here in <laughs> Miami, which. Hmm, oh, yeah. Maybe I'll so see So you it. should check this out. I'm not sure where they're located. So this is a partnership with Coinbase they're doing. But starting December 8th, they have projects from Anna Carreras, Joshua Davis, and Landlines as the third in the mix there, which was super cool. I mean, Landlines has been showing some stuff on Twitter, but I kind of thought it was for FX hash 2.0. I know it's going to highlight, and I guess this will be on the base chain. There's no details for pricing or anything yet, but our boy Nat is down there. So you can maybe get the hookup with him. It'll help you help onboard you to a base wallet, Trinity. You can do some collecting. I can't wait. I don't know if it's on the site yet, but if you look on their social media, they're doing weird things. Like if you mint 23 of the landlines in a batch, you get something special. Like they're doing more of that, like encouraging you to just batch mint a good chunk of them, which makes me wonder if they'll be open editions or what, and an extremely low price, right? Like if you want me to mint 30 or something, it can't be too expensive. It strikes me that you might have the opportunity to meet landlines in person, which would be really cool for you. I only know landlines first name. You can get a picture and like blur out his face, you know, and just kind of like help him keep the anonymity. That would be super cool. I hope I hope you get to meet Landlines down there. Yeah, that would be awesome. Highlight also is working with friends of the show, Kim, Leander, and Andreas, whose AGH1 show I think opened today, but the sale of all that stuff, which is being like facilitated through Highlight, will come next week. So hopefully by the time we record next week, we'll be able to And talk that, about that interview that released as well. Yeah, people are loving that interview, the Kim Asendorf interview. We should have plugged it at the beginning of the episode, but we've gotten a ton of really good feedback on it. So that was a big moment. It was good. I was a little scared. (laughs) How do you talk about that stuff? You know, like it's really hard to talk about his work. You just let people talk about their work because it's like, I don't know about the work. He's the expert. Yeah. Go check out that episode as well. We finished the trifecta by interviewing Kim. All three artists in that show have past episodes now. Also coming up, January, Peter Pasma announced January again. Hopefully that will mean a ton of cool projects coming to FX Hash, probably on both chains, I have to imagine. That'll be pretty cool to see, but no details of what the prompts are yet that I've seen. 
and then another upcoming or we have an upcoming art box curated by shaderism and oops i didn't put the link in here but that project is really cool you should you should check I'm it out looking at this right it. now it is very cool very different from like what Artbox curated typically does i think so yeah you know my my comment on this was um the art blocks curated release that was most likely to be a tender collab. Yes, 100%. <laughs> like this project just looks like one of Adam, you know, Adam is so into working with artists to make these like really photography and like light inspired pieces. And this one feels like it was really right in that zone. I have no read on how it's going to do, but like, it seems like a really cool piece. I don't know. There's only one way to find out and that is wait <laughs> another five days. We will cover this next week. <laughs> yeah. Tune in. I, we'll see if we do it live again. <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's all Why not? Here. We have two listeners, so it's uh, low stakes. Hell yeah. We drove eight other people off just by being us. That's kind of it, right? Like, I think we talked about a lot. There's a lot to talk about. I have one off-topic thing that we can talk, okay. I can tell you about. Do you remember a character from New York City Magic the Gathering lore named Lan Deho? Of course. Have you ever met Lan? Probably, but I don't know okay. if I could pick him out of a crowd. It's a lawyer, right? Not a lawyer. No. I had never met Lan, but I'd heard of him since our earliest days of working together, of course, because he's an old magic pro, old timer now. And I met him for the first time over the weekend. He is exactly like a Mike Flores like archetype, like just like the way he talks. Like you would think it was like Mike Flores, like long lost brother, just like such that classic New York magic player, just like vibe. He over COVID created a duplicate sealed cube. The cube itself is 400 cards, but you have to have two of them. And it supports up to teams of three. And then each team just like looks at the cube and you make sealed decks out of it, like 340 card decks. So anyone can use whatever's in the cube. But like if I take your dual land that you need for your deck, right, you can't use it. So you have to kind of like build decks as a team. It also works one on one, which is like really cool. Like drafting. Or is it specifically for sealed? It's for sealed. Oh, it's only for sealed. It's duplicate. So like if you and I were playing, I would have one brick of 400 cards. You'd have the same brick and we'd each just make a deck. And so you could do like a five color domain deck or you could do a mono red beatdown deck. And it's just like, sounds really cool. I'm pricing it out right now. <laughs> oh God. It sounds so expensive. Just think of like if I was in Miami this week and we would just be like, all right, downtime. We could just like whip out the duplicate sealed and build some decks or carry the decks with us and like, you know, rebuild at the end of the day. Just something that you can play with two people is really appealing to me. I mean, I'm just thinking about the time it takes to build a sealed deck out of 200 cards. Is narrowing that down seems... No, no. Each cube is 400 cards. So it's 800 cards total. <laughs> but I mean, look, like if you say like, hey, I'm feeling like I want to play red blue, then you only look at a subset of the cards. And he's built it and like tested it with pros and stuff over pandemic and gotten really really good feedback tuned it a lot the power level is like really low siege gang commander is like one of the better things you can do so that to me is really appealing too where it's just kind of like more about playing and building a good deck and not just uh, there's no planeswalkers in it like value oriented cool yeah yeah more like value and just like gameplay and intelligence of the format too because you know the cards your opponent has access to so you might want to like make sure you have certain things that sounds fun and rewarding. Exactly. So we'll see. I'm I'm currently canvassing my brother right now to see what cards from the list he has. And if I can hammer the cost down on it enough, I'll think about building it because it could be such a really fun thing to have lying around. Definitely. Good magic diversion there at the end of the episode. 
All right. Well, should I just take us out with the patron list really quick? Let's do it. Moment of thanks to end the episode. Go to bed. Big shout out and thank you to our top patrons, Melissa Wiederect, Natty Modi, Verse, FX Hash, Dan Cat, Dirtis, EGS5000, Jerez, Michael Antony, Mike G, Operating System, Otoro, Abstractment, Raugo, Roxanne, Sean MB, and Tender. I slowed down there in the in the middle thinking that it was a shorter list than it is, but it increased a little bit this week because someone in up to their donation as well. So super sick to see. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Trinity, enjoy your trip. I'm so hyped for you. Thanks. I wish that you would have been able to come after your flight got canceled, but... But I lost the fire. <laughs> you lost the fire. I was so hyped. And then when it got disrupted, my mental set in and I was just like, no, I'm not going to do this trip anymore. You know, it's just the world said it was not to be. Exactly. Exactly. That happens. Looking forward to your picks. Looking forward to your recap next week. Although I imagine next week we'll be busy because we'll probably be recording at the end of day one of 2.0. So Exactly. We're just delaying yeah. everything by a week. <laughs> so super great. Well, have a good one, Trady. We'll talk next week. And that's it for this one, everyone. Hope you all enjoyed. We'll be back again soon. Another episode. Until then, bye-bye. Bye. bye. bye.